0: GAA Sports Desk brought to you by the Heralds every side of Dublin Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. In studio this evening, Suzanne Parker and myself, Peter Brannigan, and we begin by thanking Hugh and the Live Drive team for getting you home safely this evening. Live Drive will be back on air tomorrow morning at 7am. Now we have a packed show coming up over the next hour or so. In the second half, we're going to be hearing from Sinead Ahern, the Dublin ladies football captain. She's also going to be speaking about her ambassadorial role with the Kellogg's Cool Camps. And we're going to be hearing from Brendan Cooper, the Secretary of Dublin Camogie. Before that, we look ahead to this week and we reflect on last weekend uh, the Dublin's men's footballers beginning their Leinster campaign. They're taking on Louth in Portlaoise on Saturday evening and we look back on that late draw for the Dublin Hurlers. Uh, they managed a draw against Wexford in Parnell Park last Sunday which just about keeps their hopes alive in this year's Leinster Hurling Championship. And we are indeed also going to be speaking about the sad passing of Anton O'Toole. Uh, Roy Curtis wrote an article over the weekend, you might have had a chance to read it uh, he spoke with Mick over the weekend about Anton and we're going to be hearing that a little bit later on in the show. If you want to contact us in the studio, the text line here is 087 977 1032. You can email us on GA Sports Desk at dublincityfm.ie or we have a Facebook page which is GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. But indeed, we're going to begin in Parnell Park last Sunday afternoon. That late draw for the Dublin Hurlers against Wexford, the goal coming from Sean Moran with essentially the last puck of the game. And afterwards, manager Matty Kenny was asked for his initial reaction, beginning with that Moran goal.
1: Sean Morden, um, we've seen him doing it before uh, in, uh, um, in in Paddy's Day in Crow Park, and uh, he came up trumps again today. But uh, Sean is an excellent holder, an excellent striker of the ball, and like, you know, like you know, he landed a couple of long ones and long frees from Jay. Like you know, like he's, he's a really, really top-class player, and uh, you know, it's just just when you get the opportunities, you know, I think you just, as Sean says, you just got to get in there and just make sure you make good contact on the ball. And uh, yeah, look at he's come up trumps before, and he's come up trumps again today. And uh, we're delighted for Sean, and more, more importantly, delighted for, for Dublin that uh, you know they were still alive in the competition. You know, the feeling of the players, the feeling of ourselves, as you know, we were in the winning possession position halfway through the second half. Uh, Fanning made a really, really good save um, uh, when Rush got a really ball and, and put in Paul Ryan and uh, if, if that ball had gone into the game over at that stage which, which it didn't happen and uh, in that period of dominance uh, halfway through the second half you know we, we, we hit a few wides as well and uh, that was our purple patch and that was our, our chance to go on and win the game and uh, so I suppose we're disappointed you know, that we, we didn't close out the game during that period
0: and that's I suppose, something that's happened before but in terms of that period 54-64 to when they got the couple of goals the momentum really turned what was the thinking on the sideline at that stage?
1: yeah the good momentum is you know like Wexford did have the momentum at that time and uh, as I say, you know when we had the momentum and our proper patch we needed to score more and uh, they came back and got a goal which you know we're five points over the time brought them back within two and that gave them a really lift and you could see all across the field you know Wexford were really pushing on then and, and uh, you know we had to just get our hands on the ball and uh, you, know, you know they got a couple of very quick points out of that and then um, we were playing the ball out of defence we um, uh, played the ball laterally which was the right thing to do at the time we got a bad bounce on the pitch and we were turned over and the ball was in the next thing like, you know, so that was a bit of a sucker punch but in fairness to our guys you know, like at that stage we weren't in a great position but there's still five or six minutes to go and uh, our guys kept pushing and uh, plugging away and they got their just rewards in the finish
0: and it's also 39 minutes gone in that second half you were pretty much out of the Leinster Championship but you're very much still in it now it's still in your hands yeah look at it,
1: you know, we prefer to have got the two pints Today, but you know, it's still on our own hands. Uh, we've a difficult away trip to Carlo in two weeks' time, so we've got to go down there and uh, and work hard for a result down there. And uh, if we if we manage to get a result there, then to come down to the last game here at home in Parnell Park. And uh, look at as you say, we're still we're still in the championship. We're still in it on our own hands. And uh, as it was which I said uh, 39 minutes ago it would have taken that.
0: Matty was then asked if it was important not to lose from a winning position.
1: Yeah, I think it's hugely important, you know, and because, uh, you know, I suppose rightly or wrongly the, the character side has been been questioned a number of times and, uh, you know, so, you know, to, to come out of today with, with, with something out of today's game I think is going to bring on the scoop a lot uh, I think to, to stand to us going forward. Like we showed again today, we showed blowing Nolan Park for 40 minutes you know the, the quality of hurling this side can play. The showed again today. You know the the quality of hurling they can play. But you know we just got to work on putting that that performance or that level of consistency for 75, 76, 77 minutes. You know and. Uh, uh but I think today's today's result will really really stand to us going forward.
0: Matty was then asked if their defensive setup had cost them goals.
1: Yeah, well we hadn't much of an option because at some stages Wexler played with, with two sweepers like you know so hitting it long wasn't an option either and uh you know it's it's um, when you come up against a system like that you have to be able to play it out of the back and it's something you know we just got to get, get get players uh, to be able to come comfortable with um uh, Wexford, you've you, you seen it from the very start. They went very, very defensive, and, uh, and like you know, they, they're they're to go along. And then when when they turn you over uh, uh, high up the pitch, they run the ball out. And you know, it's a very it's a difficult game to play against. You know, Wexford have it uh, down to a fine art, uh, and fair play to David Wexford for that. So yeah, we, we we had to we had to we had to play it our defence, and it worked well for us for most players We got some really really long distance scores, uh, which 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 are front of their defensive cover. Uh, but uh, I suppose you know that that bad bounce for the second goal really, really cost us.
0: And finally Maddie was asked why Dublin had been so dominant in the third quarter, a period in which they built up a five point lead.
1: Like we had to nearly go full press on them Mike, because like, you know, their you know their movement is so good, you know, they, and I said they've extra body or two in defence and you know their the goal is they'll pick them out and once they have that ball in hand, they just run it out there at speed. And uh, so we just had to go man to man on their puck outs and, and we got a few turnovers, I think, in the second half of, of the first half, second quarter, and uh, you know, th- you know, that gave us a foothold back into the game. As, as you rightly say, you know. Um, uh, midway through the second half, we were, we were really on top and with we, all the bases covered. And uh, when um, when Fanning made that, that save from Paul Ryan, you know, if uh, if we if managed to finish that, I think it was going to be game over that time. And then I suppose that just gave Wexford um, uh, something to hold on to And then when they got the goal and got a point after them, they, they regained momentum. And uh, and um, you know, we, we had to dig it out in the finish.
0: That's Dublin boss Matty Kenny. Now his opposing number Davy Fitzgerald of Wexford was asked for his initial reaction. Afterwards, you'll also hear some questions coming in here from Liam Spratt of South East Radio.
2: I said Dublin were sitting pretty happy at half-time. They were sitting happier again after about 15 minutes of the second half, you know. So I um, thought we'd show a tremendous character. The way we played there for 20 minutes, I don't think any team would match us around if we played that intensity and moved the ball like we did. Um, but killer to get caught in the end. Absolute killer. We'd done enough to see that out, you know. How difficult was it
3: from the fact that you hadn't hurled for so long? Was that, was that a difficulty coming in knowing that Dublin
4: already had a game?
2: Yeah, the game itself has definitely helped her up to the tempo. They were moving around fairly, fairly well. Um. But at the same time, to come up to Barnell Park isn't an easy place to come. Kilkenny came here last year and got out by the skin of our teeth. You know, um, We should have got out today, there, I think. I think we were good enough to get out to
5: Yeah, when you reflect on it though, Mark made a couple of good saves at a time that Dublin
3: were flying really.
2: Ah, he made one good save. That's all he made Liam from the whole day, so, um he'd be disappointed with the last goal. We had another two opportunities. Lee Mock had won the first half that he should have carried and struck it in. He knows that himself and then there was a hurly thrown up here when we were straight through one goal, which I think was another one. So I don't really buy that. Um I think we were a better team today. It um, definitely finished way strong. There is more there. There's we need to be consistently able to do that for seventy minutes. And if we do that for seventy, you'd never know what the story is. But to come up to Farnell Park and walk away with the pint, delighted. Absolutely listen, came up here and could have easily got nothing out of here. Um, as I say Kilkenny were pox to get it here last year, so any team that comes here will do well to get a result.
0: Davy was then asked to explain why Dublin had dominated the third quarter.
2: Like they were they were getting the ball easy. I thought we were panicking a small bit. Um like we had said at half time what we wanted to do and we just weren't we weren't doing it like we weren't running at them enough like and committing to the runs and um, then once one or two of them came off for us I thought we did it a bit better you know but um, listen it is a tough game out there today
0: Does it make the trip to Colway now even more important next week Davy?
2: No doesn't make a difference we still have to win two of our three games that's, that's the bottom line and that would have been even after today that would have been still the way of our thinking that we still had to win two or three games so um, we look at this nearly the same as a victory because you come up here and you got a result that's massive. And I think all the, the bookies had us well outside today. We were we were close to one and a half to one. I think someone said today, to which is, I can't understand how they'd write us off like that or put us as underdogs. I think I think um, whereas we're definitely right up there with any of the best teams in not
0: and that is Wexford manager Davey Fitzgerald. The Dubs have a couple of weekends off. They are taking on Carlo on the 2nd of June. That's down in Dr. Cullen Park on the Sunday. Wexford are in action this Sunday coming. They're taking on Galway down in Salt Hill. And then the final round of games, we'll see Galway coming to Dublin uh, on the evening of the 15th of June. Saturday the 15th of June. Now the game on Saturday we covered with updates here on Dublin City FM. Uh, Andy Cunningham was our man with Mick Hanley in the ground and earlier on this week I spoke with Andy to get his reaction to the draw. From Matty Kenny's point of view uh, a point more than Dublin got last year against Wexford a game that we undoubtedly could have won but at the end we were probably looking to get the draw as well.
3: Oh no doubt about it. Uh, well, I think well, after 41 minutes getting get, get the goal uh, from a free, uh, I suppose it wasn't a, wasn't a well-taken free at that. But I think in the end, you know, a draw probably probably was a fair result. I think, you know, Dublin did desire to get something. we were very lucky, you know, to, to, to get it with six minutes into injury time. to get, to get that, that goal to, to level it. But I think overall, on the balance of play, I think they would be very disappointed if they come away with nothing now that game.
0: Yeah, indeed. And maybe a bit like Kilkenny the week beforehand, probably even further into the game, Dublin were on top, uh, playing well, you know, went five clear, and then that chance of Paul Ryan uh, that uh, Fanning, the Wexford keeper, saved. And from there, the game kind of turned.
3: Yes, exactly. Uh, it was a major turning point at that stage. Like I think, you know, uh, Matty Kenny's right that uh, if they, they got that goal, I think it, w- it was game over as far as Westfield were concerned, because Dublin were really on top at that stage, uh, winning by five, and then the goal would have put them eight ahead and they were in control all over the field. But, like, that's hurling for you. You know, it, it, it just can turn around so quick, and it just seemed to get to give uh, Westfield a bit of impetus, and they went on and got two goals I thought like you know probably fortunate goals won them off a, a Dublin stick uh, uh, Morden I think Sean Morden coming out uh, he, he couldn't control it came heavy off a stick went down about five yards and then and, and went on the attack and got a goal In fairness they were two well taken goals uh, at the time but you know, I think he'd be disappointed that there were balls that should have been cleared, eaten up and cleared down the field.
0: Yeah, indeed. And, and I suppose Stubborn's defence around those moments had been good. Um, but as you say, sort of lapses in concentration very nearly cost them their, I suppose, their continued interest in this year's Leinster Championship.
3: Yeah, well, like you know, it, it happened last year against the Kenny. Like, you know, it looked like they were going to beat him. Uh, and, and then a couple of mistakes. Uh, you know, they, they just, as you say, they just can't seem to close these games out. No, I think Cuckney last uh, last week was probably different in way that Kenny came very hard right after half time and uh, they, they really they really tore into Dublin. Where I think what well, was a sixty-toward minute, I think Dublin winning by five points, and if uh, they got that goal, but uh, they'd be disappointed in that. But I think you know they did show character coming back. Uh, that's something to work on. But uh, you know he he'll be disappointed. But like it was always going to be a, a tough game. Uh, could have gone either way uh, It was a tough game For Westridge. You know They had to get Something over as well uh, Because like you know, we, they, they have a tough one Now on, on Sunday Going down to play uh, Galway Down in uh, Salt Hill That will be a, a hard ask for them Down there
0: Yeah absolutely And, and I suppose from, from Dublin's perspective In terms of Getting them to try And buy into a message You know Matty Trying to put his shape On that team And on that squad Getting the goal Now kind of gives them Something to build on Heading into those Final two games
3: well, like if they've been beaten on Sunday, like, like you'll probably maybe see it's no realistic. You got to, you look at it that way, but I think like with the, with with the Carlo match coming up, you know, like that they had a, a tough start. Uh, you know, Kilkenny the first match away, then 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 to the home. Uh, They'll probably were targeting uh, the Carlo match to get something out of. As Carlo, I'd say we're we're targeting you know this Dublin game uh, next Sunday week, because they they they, they did a, a terrible tough start. Like you know, playing Galway in the first match. Uh, and 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 then uh, Dickie Kenny coming down to to, to Carroll last week. That was a, a tough start for them. So they'll be targeting uh, to try and get two points off Dublin. But uh, I think it'll give Dublin a bit of a boost, and they, they, they'll look into it. Uh, they look uh, forward to this game. Realistically, they would be expecting to get two points on Carroll uh, next
0: week. Yeah, absolutely. What about what about the style here in the they are playing? I suppose. Liam Rush, obviously he set up that goal chance for Paul Ryan. Uh, we know he's a bit injured. He's probably unlikely to play against Carlo. Uh, the, the word on the street is that he's going to be kept back for the Galway game. But in terms of the inside forward line, you know Ryan, Dylan, Whiteley a little bit further at the pitch. are these lads delivering? Danny Sutcliffe, I suppose, as well?
4: Well,
3: in fairness, Sutcliffe had, had, a, had a very quiet game. Uh, two bad misses in the first half. Like He scored four great points against the Kenny the week before. Uh, got a bit involved. I thought he was getting involved uh, too much. He wasn't concentrating on the game. But if you were to look at, if you were to look at the, the, the for, especially the first half of the game, Dublin inside forwards didn't get a whole lot of ball. Like you look at the way, uh, against Kilkenny the week before, that that, that ball was flying at them. They were they, they were dragging the Kilkenny uh, uh, backline all around the pitch. They didn't get that chance last week because I thought that uh, Webster played a very defensive game. If you look at the first 10 minutes of the game, probably the, the player who was on the ball most was Alan Nolan, the Dublin goalkeeper, because the Dublin backs were getting a, a really easy ride off, off that uh, uh, Wexford forward line. Uh, they, uh, Nolan was getting hand-passed back to him, they were flicking it back to him, O'Donnell was coming out with the ball, you know, Paddy Smith, and they seemed to just lay back Wexford. They did come out in the second half, and it was it was very congested up in, up, up up in the Dublin forward line, and uh, especially inside forward line. It didn't get much chance. Rush just did not. He just wasn't producing. It he was going nowhere uh, against uh, Liam Ryan. So I think maybe maybe should have been dragged out. Maybe I would have switched him. Maybe with uh, Keeney probably at, at some stage in the game.
0: And in terms of Wexford, now you've talked a little bit about them, but in terms of, I suppose, as you say, they're probably unlikely to go to salt and get a result, as most teams would be unlikely to do, but they'll be targeting Kilkenny coming to Wexford Park in the last game. Is that a game you think they can get something from?
3: Oh, they would, yeah. Like, you know, as I say, it's a real cutthroat championship and, you know, you, you, managers say they don't. Every game, as you know, they look at, but it, they, they do target games. There's no doubt about it. They, they, they say different, but, uh you know, like this is going to be a tough game, as I say, for for Wexford. I wouldn't completely write them off now against. As I said, they turned them over in the league, but still a hard play. This is a championship. This is different. Uh, yeah, like it could come down to the last series of games. Like you know, Wexford, Wexford and Kilkenny. Uh, it could come down to uh, Dublin and Galway. And a lot of depends on the result. I think this weekend, uh, this weekend and next weekend, especially the Dublin carlo game and, uh, and this this match down in Salt Hill. And I still think it'll
0: be all to play for. And indeed, that last weekend, Dublin Galway and Wexford Kilkenny should be very, very interesting indeed. And my thanks as ever to Andy for giving me his time on the show this evening. Now, moving from the senior hurlers to the senior footballers, Dublin begin their Leinster defence this Saturday evening. They're taking on Louth in Portlaoise with a seven o'clock start. And earlier on this evening, I caught up with Brian Talty to get his view ahead of that quarterfinal and the other three quarterfinals in the province as well. It's the beginning of what many people in Dublin hope will be a a historic run. Uh, It's only the first step of it, of course. I I suppose from now's point of view, they had a solid enough league, nearly got promoted from Division 3. For Dublin, it's, it's a chance to see players maybe give Royal Carl a bit of game time.
4: Yeah, I suppose there's, a, there's not very many questions about the game, to be honest with you. Only what you're saying, like, I mean, will Rory O'Carroll get a game? Will they get him started back playing full back? And, you know, the only thing, Peter, with the, with the Dublin set up, he will have to be playing well in training to get in there. Like, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of fellas pushing for that full back, uh, full back line. Like, and uh, they've done quite well over the last last few years while Rory was away. So, no guarantee that Jim Gavin and the lads are going to just slot him in there and, you know, think that he's going to be there for He has to gain that jersey. And has to you know fight hard for it and if he's doing that in training going well in training well then he would probably be picked because that's the way the lads work like it's it's uh, how you're shown in training like he's shown well for Kilmacud in fairness um but uh, training in there in the MBs might be even dif- more difficult than playing for Kilmacud
0: Yeah absolutely and, and I suppose he would have done some amount of playing of games or whatever it might have been out in New Zealand and he's obviously been back a couple of times played the odd game for Croke so he hasn't been away for 3 years in total like he's done the odd bit but in terms of getting back into a team particularly a team that's as good as his Dublin team has been for the last four years. That's a big, big ask in terms of even just fitness, let alone getting back to, you know, used to handling the ball and whatever else.
4: Absolutely, he would be minding himself. You know what I mean. I'd say he'd be he's a, he's a naturally fit kind of, and he's an athlete as well. But the, the big thing, the big thing is, how is he playing? How is he doing in the in, in training? And that'll be that's what the boys will judge the, whether he plays or not. You know, a lot of fellas going for that that uh, full back line. And a lot of good players who have done really well over the last few years. And you know, the problem with people are, are, are talking about a few high balls that went in and caused a few problems. You know, but these high balls go in and cause a lot of problems for, for uh, any county team. You know, but Dublin have very well with big foot forward forwards over the last few years you know and you know that rule that you know you can mark the ball now inside there is gone as well so so it mightn't be just uh, a matter of arriving home and getting stuck getting back in there it certainly won't be that you know if you, if you look at the way the Dublin selectors have been operating
0: And does it say something to you about maybe you know Jim Gavin's obviously a Wiley uh, operator does it say something to you about where he thinks maybe Dublin have been lacking in the last few years or an area of concern the fact that O'Carroll's back? I don't
4: know. Certainly, you know they probably said it doesn't, but you know it probably isn't the back of the mind. But you know when you look at the big games over the last while, uh, Dublin fullback back line have dealt with with huge full forwards as well and done done a great job. You know what I mean? I mean they're going to pack in around them, and Kino Sullivan is going to come back. And you know one or two balls might have caused you a few problems. But, you know no matter who the full back, or no matter how si- what size the full back is, one or two high balls, awkward high balls coming in might cause a bit of problem. But you know they're um, they're probably looking at all the angles and you know. Kino Keeping them all, like, keeping it, you know sorted if something does happen. But you know, I, I just you know my, the thing is you you have to gain that jersey, and that's why Dublin are are you know as motivated as they are to be in the first twenty five or to be in the first fifteen is you know you you have to work on it and you have to be performing and training and you know if that's happening you have a right chance. but if, you know, if you're not, and other fellows are ahead of you, they get the jersey ahead of you, and you know that's a motivating thing for the Dublin football team, and that'll be a motivating thing for the likes of O'Carroll and, and fellas fellows who come into the squad.
0: Absolutely, and and someone else, I suppose, every year we we see a player or two that might impress in the league for Dublin. Uh, Darren Gavin seemed to be the man who did it in the in the league campaign. Do you see him getting some game time in the summer and, and pushing midfielders or half forwards in terms of positions?
4: Yeah, you know what I mean. Again, it goes back to you know how you operate and training and how you. You know, and how everybody else is operating. I suppose uh, Gavin played very well early on, and then all of a sudden we didn't see him in a lot of the games. You know, so whether he picked up an injury or or whatever, you know, I'm not too sure. Good gall of blood in that man Peter as well. So hmm. you know, you'd be hoping that he will get in there and get a run at it. Like you know, he's a very big, athletic young fella. So so look, he's a big plus for Dublin, and if he's playing well. You know, you you look at the even his own um, colleague out in Luke and like when you look at uh, Emmett O'Connell, and we thought he was going to come huge and, you know, that didn't happen, you know. So it just it matters how you're playing at the time and um, and if you're used and how you're playing the games. And, and, you know, sometimes it's about him in the right place at the right time and, and, and having big performances when you get in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I suppose, as you say, Gabe, it looks like Dublin are going to win. We, we, we look back at uh, previous years against Division Three teams, Longford, Westmead, spring to mind. Of course, they played... Uh, Leash and Wicklow Division 4 teams as they were last year um, so from Jim Gavin's point of view it's, it's hard to know what you can take out of it in that regard you're, you're going to probably win this game fairly comfortably
4: well, you know the, the the way the lads have operated, and uh, and they've won all for for all Ireland in in a row working like this is that, you know, you take every game and you prepare for it if it's an All Ireland final, and you know you you you, you don't take anything for granted, and everything is analysed and everything is sorted, and you know the ins and outs of the other the opposition, and you know how you want to play against them, and you have a plan B, B and plan plan A and plan B, and and um, that's the way they will operate. That's that's it's brought them success why would you change it you know what i mean so uh they would be this is the big threat for them uh and this is the one they'll take that seriously as you know later on it'll be every game as it comes and that's the way they're going to operate so so fellas would have been working hard and training to get into the first 25 and then into the first 15 And when they to get in there to operate and play well because there's another fella breathing down your neck to get the jersey the next day so so that's a motivating factor as well like but um you know, they won't be taking that for granted to they get out there and they'll be well prepared and they'll have a right
0: shot at it. Absolutely. Yeah. I suppose it says something about uh, Leinster football at the moment that the other game, Meath and Carlo, Dublin and Meath on the same card and they don't reckon Port leash is going to sell out. No, but the game itself, Meath and Carlo could be could be interesting. I suppose it's a shame that Carlo have a, a few players who are suspended for some sort of unsavoury uh, behaviour in a league game.
4: Yeah, yeah, they're missing Brendan uh, uh, Brendan Murphy, the big midfielder, like who was a massive player for them. Uh, he is a huge loss, but he uh, isn't there. They, they they have a system of playing Carlo, uh, which is a defensive system of playing, and then they try to break. and They they did well not in this year's league for them, unfortunately, but last year they had a the Carlo rising, and you know they have very capable footballers, and, and very disappointed the way Meade operated the last day. You know, having had a great league under Andy McIntyre but yeah, I think Carlo will put it up. To and that could
0: be a very good game And then on Sunday the other two quarterfinals Westmead taking on Leash um, I suppose again Leash have made progress since dropping having to go all the way down to Division 4 they've started to build a, a bit ahead of, of steam in the last couple of seasons
4: yeah, both of these teams now have been going quite well in the league, and as you say, you know they're down in the lower leagues. But you know, funny enough, when uh, when you start winning games and success breeds success, and fellows are happy in the camp and they're working hard and they're trying to move on up and you know trying to move to the next level. Uh, and championship brings its own thing. Like championship is a, is you know the local local one as well. So uh, both teams have have played quite well, and you know. Um, Westmead were very good and I think what did they win the O'Byrne Cup and then they won the league so um, and Leash have always got good footballers you know so um, another game that could be a a very interesting and tight game these are the games Peter that are kind of more enjoyable to watch obviously when they're nice tight games and you know there's good competition in it and and we see some good football as well so so uh, uh, they might be the, the most enjoyable games to watch and there will be tight games
0: yeah indeed and the the other one has a bit of promise as well in Tullamore on Sunday Longford taking on Kildare you know there's all sorts of rumours in the background about unhappiness in the Kildare camp uh, we saw Longford beating Meade at this stage last year admittedly in Pierce Park but uh, you know Longford have been a solid unit over the last 5 or 6 years particularly in the qualifiers but you know a, a team that can, can upset others
4: yeah you know Park Davis in charge down there is one of their Famous footballers and he's he's done a really good job with them, but they they, they did lose one or two forwards over disciplinary um, problems there during the league and very good forwards, uh, you know. Um, so they'd be a big loss to them, but you know uh, he's he's stamped his authority on the thing, you know. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting game because Longford are always capable of causing a, a shock, but I, I just have a feeling that you know losing those, particularly Robbie Smith, is a big loss to them. Um, he could, be, he could be the difference if you know what I mean he's not playing he's always due four or five points in a game so he could be a big loss to Longford in this game
0: Just the final game I'm going to ask you about uh, Brian is in Castlebar on Saturday night Mayo taking on Roscommon uh, we saw the other semi-final recently of course uh, Galway went won very comfortably against Sligo but um, uh, Roscommon have you know have a, have a good manager they've obviously brought in somebody who's got experience in football and obviously in, in, in hurling as well uh, whereas James Horne has never I don't think he's ever lost a game as Mayo manager in the Connacht Championship so it's it's a great game to look forward to
4: well, being a goal man Peter, as you know, hopefully he's going to lose one this year, at least one. But <laughs> and preferably in the college final. But um yeah, no, Roster Ross are always capable. You know, Ross was coming to have some very good footballers, as you say. Antony Cunningham in charge of a, a smart manager, as you say, he's been to all Ireland finals with goal the hurlers as well and St. bridges to win all Ireland club championships. So he knows what he's at, and there's there's a huge amount of really good footballers in and It's just a matter of getting that blend right, you know. And uh, uh, I I think they have caused Mayo a lot of problems. I just, I get the feeling Mayo are a little bit stronger now panel wise in the sense that he, in fairness to him during the league, found a few forwards, and uh, you know, so so it'll be interesting. I think they like the likes of Killian O'Connor is on the way back as well, you know. So it's the same. Basically, those the same Mayo team that have been there, or thereabouts, and have been probably what you would call second best in the country. Um, you know, been the closest to Dublin all along, and could have won an All Ireland or two. And you know, unfortunately for them, they didn't. But um, you just wonder how much longer they can keep getting it out of these guys. But they're really good footballers. But I, I, I think Ros- I think Mayo will win the game. But I think Roscommon pushed them really hard.
0: Just very finally, Brian. Before I let you go, obviously, uh, speaking of all Ireland finals, as you were mentioning there, you played in back in in eighty three. Somebody was on the pitch yeah that day. Uh, unfortunately, passed away over the weekend. Of course, Anton O'Toole, um, you know, a real great player for Dublin, iconic player for Dublin, and uh, I suppose a player that you you would have come up against.
4: Yeah, and you Anton well, and uh, you know he worked with us on Dublin City or in Olivia as it was in the days, and um, Anton was just you'd never know he had an All-Ireland medal in his back pocket because he was just, you know, such a, a gentleman and never, never talked about what he did himself. And was always, you know, very keen about the present and the present footballers and, you know, Dublin pushing on and winning more. And, and you know, it, it was a shock. We didn't know he had been sick for a while and... and uh, you know, it, 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 it's sad when you see a man like him going, you know, but there's not many men, you know, when you think of, uh, you think of uh, people and, and you just mention you say, the Blue Panther and everybody around knows who it is like, you know what I mean? He was, uh, he was a massive footballer and what, what a left foot, like I was just thinking everybody knew Anton O'Toole uh, had a left foot and never kicked with the other one. But nobody could ever, bl- I don't ever remember or see his kick being blocked down, you know what I mean? So, Which was was strange, but he was a massive footballer for Dublin and a pure gentleman.
0: And indeed, gentleman is the word, uh, Anton O'Toole, of course, who was on this show and Dublin City FM's other sports shows on many, many occasions down through the years. Always very good uh, with giving us his time and uh, may he rest in peace indeed this weekend, of course, as Brian was saying, the current crop of Dublin footballers begin the g- defence of their Leinster title. Uh, they do take on Louth in Portlaoise with a game throwing in at 7 o'clock. I remember, it is part of a double header with Carlo and Meath, which is throwing in at 5. Uh, tickets are still available online, dublinga.tickets.ie So it'll be interesting to see what sort of crowd does travel down. Hopefully there'll be plenty of Blues supporters heading down to the Midlands for the game. And as I say, you can get those tickets online now. They're a little bit cheaper if you're buying in advance, so do head over to dublinga.tickets.ie uh, to buy them now we're going to take a break but do stay tuned afterwards we're going to be hearing from ladies football captain Sinead Ahern we're going to be hearing from Brendan Cooper and we're going to continue our tribute to Anton O'Toole hearing from Roy Curtis do stay tuned GAA Sports Desk brought to you by the Herald, Every Side of Dublin and welcome back to GAA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Remember, you can text us here, 087-977-1032. You can email us, gasportsdesk at dublincityfm.ie, or we have a Facebook page, which is GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Now the Kellogg's Cool Camps of course run throughout the summer and one of the ambassadors for them this year is Dublin ladies football captain Sinead Ahern. and Suzanne got up with Sinead to see how preparations are going for the upcoming Leinster final with Westmeath. Well tell me
6: what's what's happening at the moment in the senior camp, how is everything going? Yeah I
7: suppose it's probably um, one of the the quieter times of the year in that um, we're back at the clubs for the most part um, playing club championships so um depending on, on whether it's senior intermediate or junior people of of different levels of games. So it's just trying to balance I suppose the being uh, training with your club and, and playing um competitive fixtures with obviously getting a bit of working with Dublin.
6: Yeah, yeah. And the Leinster competition is is up next. So this will be the next thing that, that the senior team are focusing on?
7: Yeah. So um we're we're out the thirtieth of June. Um I suppose unfortunately at the moment there's only two senior teams in, in Leinster ourselves and Westmead, so it's uh, a straight, straight yes. final so Um, We kind of have a a few weeks, uh, maybe three weeks after we come back um, from the clubs, um, kind of all together. There's obviously uh, staggered um, sort of finishing times for the clubs when we come back in terms of just how many pictures people have. But I think altogether we'll have three weeks and uh, we'll we'll very much need to to hit the ground running because it's straight into a Leinster final.
6: Yeah. And because you're going straight into a Leinster final, do you think this might, coming up against Westmead's, not having that much game experience, but looking forward then on to, to the All-Ireland Championship. Will this cause any difficulty, do you think, just getting back into it, really?
7: Yeah, like I mean, it's certainly one of the challenges, I suppose, that we have in, in Leinster, given that there is only two teams, there's no sort of, um, you know, there's no easing your way yeah, in. It's, yeah. it's very much, there's, there's that. And as you mentioned, the All-Ireland Championship is... Uh, you know, we'll be out two weeks later um, and we'll be out, I think, maybe three of the next four weekends, you know, potentially. So um, there isn't really, I suppose, a lot of time for any, any wholesale changes. It's, it's more tweaks at that stage. So, uh, yeah, obviously, of the next few weeks, we need to get the bulk of the work done.
6: Yeah. And how is the the team feeling coming off or coming off, off, off after the league?
7: Um, yeah, look, I, I suppose we, we, we got to the semi-final, which, which would always be the, the, the first target for the league. Um, you know, get to there and, and just kind of uh get a sense of where you're at and look disappointed not to get to, to a league final or to or to win the competition. That's you know every yeah. every footballer wants to win every every match. But, you know, I think um there was definitely lots that we can we can take out of the league and and really how how we apply ourselves in, in you know the lessons that we've learned is is what we need to sort of focus on for the next few weeks. So um mm. you know I probably not going the extra week, probably actually suited in terms of timetabling for Ourselves with the, around the clubs and that just to kind of give ourselves a, an extra bit of time to prepare going into that Leinster final.
6: Yeah, yeah. And if, if you don't have enough going on, you're involved with the the cool camps this summer. Tell me a little bit about this. Yeah,
7: so off um, the GAA run um, them. the cool camps. Are very popular every year. I think uh, they, they had over one hundred and fifty thousand kids um, taking taking part last year, and ages you know six to thirteen. Um, and and really they get uh, football, Camogie, hurling and um, exposure in, in a kind of a fun environment but uh, you know they also kind of layer in as, as the week goes on not just the skills but chance to kind of play games and that which is obviously what, what kids want but you know they get to do it in an environment where um, I suppose they, they've coaching uh, available to kind of bring the game alive.
6: Yeah yeah and you're involved as an ambassador with them so what, what's going to be involved in your role?
7: Yeah, so I, I suppose um, you know a big part of it will just be kind of getting out to a, a couple of camps and, and yeah. uh, getting to, to practice with, uh, with with some of the kids that are taking part. Um, you know, within that, it was I suppose the, the, the launch a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was just to kind of put out some of the key messages. Um, you know, Kelly probably would have. Um, They've been involved for for a number of years and as a really great sponsor of it. And you know, they've they've put together the likes of research on you know nutrition, obviously in terms of their product offering, and you know, uh, kids uh, staying in sport and and that type of thing, and where the. Yeah, the the people might be, the kids might be dropping out or where yes, the, yeah. the cracks might be in the system. So, you know, I think um, the the camps are really affordable. It's a great way for kids to get out in the open air. All the kind of, you know, I suppose, key things that, that kids might be drifting away <laughs> from with technology and all the rest of it. It's, it's just, I suppose, trying to, you know, highlight those messages again.
6: Yeah. And then especially that they get to meet some of their idols like yourself going there, that they've watched you on the television, that they they followed your career and then they get to go there and almost aspire to be you.
7: Yeah, I suppose it brings a real life aspect to, to it, um, as you say, in, in terms of seeing uh, someone that they might see on the, on the TV screen. Mm. Um, and I think it's great that you know there's there's, fe- there's females involved from the from the and well, you know, the ladies' football side as well. I think you know maybe when I was in camps growing up, that wasn't the case. <laughs> it would have been the lads coming in, yeah. you know, and it would have been the, the faces that you know. And so I think it's it's a great aspect for not only for kids to be able to play girls and boys alongside each other, but but also to see you know uh, women and men on the same stage when it comes to uh, senior inter county exactly. well. exactly.
6: Yeah. And your own career, it's going from strength to strength every year with, 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 you know, with Dublin. How do you keep it all going? How do you keep your walls in the air? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look,
7: I think at certain stages you might drop one, but um, no, look, um, you know, work is, is obviously busy at times mm-hmm. and football is, is busy at times. You, you hope that the two of them don't clash at the same time and it's kind of just uh, trying to keep the, the lines of communication open on that. But, between both but um, yeah. yeah you know, football at the end of the day is something that you go out to enjoy so as long as that's still the case um, exactly. hopefully the balance will be there
0: and thanks indeed to Sinead for giving us her time this evening. Do head to kelloggscoolcamps.ga.e and you'll get information on the camps which are taking place around Dublin uh, throughout this summer. Now, from Ladies Football to Camogie, earlier on this week, Suzanne caught up with the Secretary of Dublin Camogie, Brendan Cooper.
6: Well, look, it was a busy weekend, as always, in Dublin Camogie, and uh, this weekend was the father competition. So tell me about everything that went on.
0: Yeah, um,
4: well, well,
8: first and foremost, Suzanne, I, I mean, I'd say a huge thanks to uh, Tom Ryan, on behalf of the GAA and Ambinader for hosting this particular event, it's a it's become an annual event now over the last number of years out out in the Hill of Holt. um and a fair play to all concerned because the, the course that they designed for both the adults and the under 16s is, is unbelievable. I'd have to say it tests both their the girls' mental and their, you know physical ability. Um, so for for a start, it's it, it, it's a huge tournament to win and the winners go forward to the, uh, the, puck, the Leinster Puckfather, in other words, and then the winners of the play will go to the All-Iron Puckfather. So this is one of the, you know, as, as well as the, the games having all iron, the Puckfather has its own All-Iron. So it's a very prestigious uh, competition, Suzanne, right from the word go. So um, I think Steph Carthy won, won the senior one there now at the stage. Not the first time from memory that, that yes, Steph has yeah. done very well in this particular competition. She seems to specialise. It, it, it's one of these uh, competitions that, is close to her heart, and year in year out, she competes. And no, I seem to recall that she's won more than one hook father in her time. Um, and again, last weekend, last Friday night, out in Beneta, she won. She won a, an, another competition as well. So she and she takes this one very, very seriously indeed. It's uh, it's really uh it's really good for herself now at this stage because, um, you know, when you put your when you love something like this, it's not a chore and. She revels in, in, the, in the in the competitiveness and the you know the mental and you know physical ability uh, that you need to be able to poke a ball up the side of the hill, follow it, and then follow it back down again on the far side of, of the hill. So, a fantastic competition. Blessed with the weather, uh, Suzanne. Huge crowd out there, uh, people supporting and just going out know, just to see what how what, what actually happens. Yeah. So. Uh, Congratulations to, to all the to all the winners. Antonina and Tom to Rice specifically puts on a great show now at uh,
6: this stage. Is on. Brilliant, and as well as the the senior competition, the under sixteen competition was running, and the, there was winners there. It, it, it's a great event, and it seems like a real a real festival to be part of.
8: Yeah, it, it certainly is, and um, it, it's it's one of those competitions that once you get a, a bit of a for for this competition you actually look forward to year in, year, year out. And the 16th, I mean, next year, they'll go into, into the adult section, but it'll give them an idea of what's needed, although the, the juvenile and the adult are completely separate courses. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 juvenile one is, is more, it's around the kind of perimeter of a, of a golf course, and it's it, it's nonetheless a very interesting course, but it's not as demanding as, as the adult one. But it'll give them an idea of, of what's know in the years to time what's down the road now at this stage so I think uh, anyone that was out there had a fab- fabulous time we were well looked after as I say Bernada, as we always are out there uh, very hospitable uh, out there so no, congratulations, congratulations to all concerned to all winners
6: Brilliant Well look over the, uh, the weekend as well the Dublin Minor League and Shield Finals were on Sunday and uh, tell me a little bit about the games Right okay
8: for the start Suzanne this is the first time that we've actually managed to run a minor league in the strict sense of the word. Up to now, we've always started to run them up, but because some of these players play adults, it's, it's never convenient, or we always have difficulty fitting it into, into the schedule. But we, we rearranged our schedule somewhat now this year and managed to get three minor leagues run off in A, B, and C. I think we had 14 teams in total, which wasn't bad for kind of our first run out, I would hope. Uh, bearing in mind the way the leagues have gone this year, that next year we'll double that amount. I'd be disappointed and surprised if we don't have, say, the 2018 teams compete next year. Next year, because I think that the goodwill that uh, from the people that actually play, that clubs that actually play in this competition, will kind of uh, you know begin to circulate around the county and other clubs that didn't take place part this year, hopefully will join in next year. I suppose. Uh, Chemical Croaks absolutely. I have, to, I have, to, I have to, I the special mention Chemical croaks to put in two teams into this particular competition. The A team uh, went into the where were playing against Oliver um, uh, Plunkett. Uh, that's all. Now, the the uh, Chemical Croaks team is made up of a lot of intercounty players. They have they have a particularly strong minor team, and they Julie B. Plunkett. But that's no disrespect to Plunkett because I know John Murphy was glad. The competition was up and running for a start. It was very beneficial from his point of view. So, the the, the word coming back, it, it, this is a very worthwhile competition, and we should persevere with this into next year and make it even bigger and better. At this. So, Kim McCutter, the inaugural winners of the minor A uh, league competition. At minor B, uh, Whitehall beat yeah. uh, Luke and Sarsfields. That was a match I was actually at myself. I actually refereed that and presented. And again, both of those clubs have to be commended because. They, they each bought into the, into the into the into the minor league scenario as such, and they were happy. Even Lucan, who lost we to Whitehall were more than happy with the way things worked out on, on on Sunday. And the last match was commercials versus Nave Moore. Now that was a little bit of a mismatch because Navemore Moore had access to a couple of uh, development uh, players now at this stage, whereas commercials didn't. And the scoreline uh, and Nave Moore ran out easy winners. But again, it's all part and parcel of you know some things work this year. We'll know exactly what works doesn't what is, what doesn't work for next year, and we make it bigger and better uh, for all concerned. So, but for the inaugural, uh, inaugural uh, kind of running up this competition, we were more than
4: happy with, with the way things went last Sunday, yeah,
6: Brilliant, and then the, the the leagues in Dublin. What's happening with all of those at the moment? I think we had some finals. Um, was it last week?
8: Yeah. yeah well, we have a number of finals because the Potentially league is separate, Suzanne they they kind of finish off at, at various times. Now, uh, tomorrow night, for example, we have um, in, the, in, the, in the Intermediate 2, we have St. Pats, who are unbeaten in, in that particular competition, taking on CBC Portobello, who have uh, only oh, managed to drop two points. So, in essence, if uh, Pats beat Portobello tomorrow night, they they'll ultimately win the, uh, the, the Intermediate 2 League. And if CBC beat uh, Pats, and depending on the scoreline, uh, it could be a, a tie at the top of the uh, league table. So th- even though we're coming into the latter stages of this particular competition, there's still a huge amount to be played for. Um, lower down in one of the other divisions there, uh, Junior 4, I think Kim, uh, not Kim, but uh, Lucas Harsfield won that competition there last week. And again, they went through that particular competition on So congratulations to them. Um, I suppose uh, the other presentation that we did there on Sunday was Aaron Doyle versus uh, Bobby Bowden. Now, This is crucially important for Aaron's because they were competing at inter, intermediate one status. This is the first time in a long time that Aaron's didn't have a senior team in the strict sense of the word. Uh, they they opted to kind of drop down last year from senior two into in, inter one in the hope that they could kind of rebuild because their, their season last year didn't go quite according to plan. So they took a conscious decision to kind of drop, you know, take relegation as it was, drop down a, a division and try and regroup. And it paid paid off you know, in space because they played eight matches in this year's Inter-1 league and they won all eight matches. And uh, when I had to talk with them Sunday morning, um they might as well have won their All Ireland Suzanne because that's how much it means to 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 uh, to to uh, they're a very proud club and they're looking forward to you now competing back in with a settled team now next year in Senior Two. Uh, I suppose their ultimate goal would be to win Senior Two and get back up into Senior One. That's where they belong, Suzanne. That's where Dublin Camogie need their yeah. But they're well on the way. They've done, they've done a huge amount of work under Louise. They're hard this year. And again, a lot of the the uh, applause must go to Louise. for it's, When Louis, Louise asks you to do something, it's very hard to say no to Louise. She has <laughs> that way, a way about her or whatever. And the players just buy into that. And they bought in big time this year. And it's proved, you know, very beneficial for them by eventually the fact that they've, they've, they've won the other two. So they're looking forward to seeing it two there next year. So between the various leagues, and then between, you know, this week and next week, that should bring an end to our, our league campaign, campaign because really we've got, we've got to stop the uh, finishing off our leagues prior to the start of the, uh, of the leaving cert, which happens in the yes, first week yeah. in June. So girls, obviously, we don't want the injured going into the leaving cert or whatever. So normally, as a general rule, this week, stroke next week is the last week that we would have for completion of, of all our leagues but so far so good. Suzanne, we've got a good run this year. Very few cancellations uh, due to weather I think maybe a week before last uh, the, uh, the deluge of rain just prior to, to the games and two or three games went by the board but as a general rule, very happy with it. The they all ran off and they should have been run off so we're, we're happy with the way things have run, run, run off and the players will have a, a well-earned rest now Uh, in the next week or so before they they get into their their championship mode at at that stage. So I think it's considered a good season so far as
0: it's And our thanks as ever to Brendan for joining us on the show. Now, earlier on, we heard from Brian Talty. He gave his tribute uh, to Anton O'Toole. Uh, over the weekend, Mick spoke with Roy Curtis. Roy had written an article and a single tear rolled down that lovely, generous face, which appeared on the Independent.ie uh, over the weekend. Mick caught up to speak with Roy about the article and about his friendship with Anton O'Toole.
5: Uh, well, Roy, the news we'd been dreading uh, for quite a, a number of weeks came through on Friday morning uh, with the passing of uh, the great... Uh, Dublin footballer Anton O'Toole. Uh, You wrote uh, a beautiful, beautiful tribute to him on independent.ie and it was also featured in the Herald uh, yesterday and I think the Independent uh, as well. Uh, He was a great, great footballer, but uh, he was an even greater man, uh, Roy, and you knew him well. That's exactly
9: it, uh, Mick. Thanks for the kind words, but words are easy when the subject matter is so special and Anton was such a warm, engaging character. I've never known a man to wear a celebrity so lightly. I mean, here was a guy, along with Brian Mullins, Dublin's first four-time All-Ireland winner, the first dub to win a hat-trick of all stars, revered on Hill 16 as the Blue Panther. He'd very little to be modest about in truth, yet there wasn't a trace of ego about the man. I can honestly say, in all the years I knew him, I never once heard a moment of bravado or boasting. He would divert praise, always centre it on others, always championing the dog, the, the loyal team man. Those are rare and lovely qualities. He was an outstanding Hall of Fame footballer, but an even more special human being and friend.
5: Without a doubt, and um, we will miss him badly. Um, Looking back on his career, uh, I noticed that, uh, I think it was Paddy Cullen said that uh, this lad just arrived, no one knew who he was, but uh, he soon came on the scene fairly quickly.
9: Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd come from Sing Street. He'd played a bit of junior football for Dublin, but a lot of these guys didn't know who he was, and people who 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 knew Anton never doubted his capacity to make it he, he had a beautiful left foot he could He could make the ball sing with that left foot. His running style was slightly gangly and orthodox, but he was he was very strong and If you ask me his greatest quality, he was unbelievably brave. Talk to other hmm. Dublin footballers about him, and they 'll say when something needed to be done, something non glamorous but hard, he would be the guy putting the head in where others wouldn 't put a foot. When things were going against Dublin sometimes, he really stepped up to the mark. Famously in that 1977 final, a game for the ages against Kerry, um, so many of the Dublin players believe he was the difference between winning and losing that day. I think he scored four points from play. But his interventions, his toughness was incredible. Just his absolute commitment to the team. It was never about himself. It was always about getting the team across the line. And if you talk to any of the guys who played with him, that's what they'll say. He was a teammate you could trust. He was a teammate you knew had your back. And it's funny, I I mentioned in the piece that um, one of the few times I ever seen Anton getting angry was when some random punter would make some criticism of Owen O'Gara because the things Anton loved about O'Gara were the things that he offered as well as a footballer, the hard work, the graft, the willingness um, to do stuff to make the team better, if it, even if it made you uh, look not so good on occasion. Um, and Anybody who plays any team sport will know they're the guys you want beside you in the trenches.
5: And of course, uh, he loved his beloved uh, Sing Street, Temple Oak, Sim Street, as they are uh, now. And uh, not mentioning Owen O'Gara there, he also brought on Dennis Bastic in a big way and I think Dennis always considered uh, the role that Anton played uh, in his career.
9: Very much so, Dennis. I know, uh, kept in contact with Anton and would, would tell you what an influence it was to have people like him around. I think it was deeply significant. The last time I spoke to Anton in the hospice last Friday week, Ono Garra and James McCarthy had actually just visited and Anton told me it, his voice fading at that stage he was very weak in barely a whisper he told me that uh, O'Gara had thanked him for all Anton had done for his career and um, as Anton told me this a, uh, a single tear came down his face it was one of the most beautiful most heartbreaking and most heart-soaring things I think I've ever seen in my life it just meant so much to him that people who he regarded had um, had taken the effort to say these things to him I think that's that's the measure of the man that A, people would want to say it to him and two, that this guy who'd won for All-Irelands, achieved everything, an absolute legend of the game, would be so moved and so humbled by someone saying those things to him.
5: As you said, uh, Roy, that uh, was the man we, we... we remember him forever. You mentioned James McCarty there, and of course, Anton uh, part of that 70s team that played with James's father, John. And John uh, a very, very good friend. I know they played golf uh, quite a lot uh, together as well.
9: Yeah, John was actually playing golf with Anton the day uh, Anton first got ill, and John, as anyone who knows him, is a a wonderful, larger-than-life character. And Anton was sort of the straight man in that double act. But again, the things Anton really regarded, um, he often bemoaned the fact that John never got an all-star, even though he was a pivotal part of that 70s team. And again, the things I was saying about Anton, he said about John, he said... This guy got his jaw broken, putting his head in, making tackles, and he said he might never have got an all star but he was an all star for us every year. He was very interesting when he talked about the players he admired. He absolutely revered David Hickey as a footballer mm. and as a human being um, and again he 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 called me um to his bedside, and there was a sort of an urgency in his voice when he said to me, "Tell the people about Hickey." make sure they know that this is the greatest man I've ever known, Um, what he's done for football, what he does for humanity through his his work as a transplant surgeon. Here was a dying man telling me to praise another man. And David Hickey um, has had health issues of his own and had been living in the Middle East. Flew home over Easter, um, made his home out in North County, Dublin, uh, a base for all that team of the 70s. Um, those guys who soldiered together uh, to meet one last time with Anton. Um, he brought Anton out there for three successive days, and the joy in his last days that Anton derived from that was extraordinary. And it, it is a measure of the type of guy that, that David Hickey is, that while not well himself, he, he flew halfway around the world to to make sure his, his friends... Um, Got a got
5: a proper send off with that Dublin team. Well, without a doubt, Jeb, that was a, a lovely weekend. I'd been with Anton on the Good Friday, and uh, he was looking very much to seeing the lads and seeing David especially come in uh, to bring him out there. So uh, it it just shows you, um, in many ways, um, Roy, the type of players that Kevin Heffernan picked uh, when he wanted to start Dublin's revival back in the seventies.
9: He picked men of integrity. He picked strong people who he knew would deliver not only on the football pitch but off would represent Dublin in a way that shone a really proper light on a city that had fallen on hard times. There was recession, there was unemployment, there was emigration. And I think it's no coincidence that the city rallied behind a team like this because they were a beacon in darkness. They were they were an inspiration for people who knew or who needed uh, inspiration, they gave a powerful sense of identity to a city that was really, really struggling. And I've often thought we name so many bridges and erect so many statues, and rightly so to, to poets and to patriots and to singers. This team deserves a real telling memorial in the city. I've often argued that, as they were the bridge that brought Southside and Northside together, some bridge over the the Liffey should have been named or renamed in their honour because they were they were titans through the city. And I think it's very apt that Jim Gavin was one of the people up visiting the team because Jim understands well um, and references that team of the 70s and says they passed the torch, which this great Dublin team now carry, and that the achievements of this team would not probably be possible without what went before them. Um, I got a lovely message off one of the, the players on the team on Friday after they read the piece just saying whatever about footballers it would be lovely if we were remembered in 40 or 50 years as, as Anton is this week. They really get it. They they look up to the guys of the 70s. They, they understand how they facilitated the road to greatness that they are now walking.
5: Indeed. Right. And for Anton as well, he really, really appreciated that. I was lucky enough that he was uh, doing some of the commentary with us uh, for Dublin City FM for some of those games uh, over the last number of years. And uh, I think one of the issues he had that he said he he might get too excited during them because I think he kicked every ball more so, as he says himself, than he did when in his playing days. But he really, really sitting in his company, as you say, this this team and Jim Gavin and what the lads have done for Dublin to bring them back and bring them onto the Cosper Greatness as well. Um, he appreciated that more than most and, and, and he would four hour in his back pocket.
9: It it mattered as much to him as the oxygen he needed to stay alive. I'd regularly meet him in some of the great old pubs around Dublin, neary's and the, the Palace Bar and the Long Hall, these these places and we'd have a couple of pints and We'd we'd often get reflective about Dublin football, and I asked him um, what was had the greatest day um, for Dublin football in his view, the, get, the day that had the most effect on him. And I was expecting him to say maybe seventy four when he won his first All Ireland, or seventy seven because of the way they won it, even eighty three winning with twelve men. But without hesitation, he said, September the 18th, 2011. Um, Kevin McMenamin's goal, Stephen Cluxton's immortal buzzer-beating free. And I just thought, well, there you have the essence of the guy. Here's a superstar. And yes, the day that matters to him is the day the stardust was falling on somebody else um, when he he wasn't pivotally involved but could still get this absolute pride and pleasure. It's this this... The the things Anton valued were the things he only had to look in the mirror to find. He loved selflessness. He loved loyalty. He loved people who worked for the team and didn't look for credit for themselves. And I think in, in nominating that day of day in 2011... He showed that those were the qualities that carried him through
0: life. And that was Mick Hanley speaking to Roy Curtis. The article that he wrote about Anton is still available on independent.ie and indeed it is well worth a read if you have a little bit of time uh, this evening or over the weekend now a quick reminder just before we go uh, Dublin take on loud this Saturday evening in the Leinster Senior Football Championship but the game is on in Portlaoise throws in at 7 o'clock it's part of a double header with Meath and uh, and Carlo excuse me taking place in the first game Uh, you can get tickets now on Dublinga.Tickets.ie. my understanding is they are not expecting a sellout but you never know with Dublin and Meath involved uh, they might well get a big crowd heading down to the Midlands on Saturday evening so you can buy those tickets as I say online Dublinga.Tickets.ie. but I'm afraid that is where we are going to leave it this evening do stay tuned Artbeak is up next with Suzanne Parker uh, and on behalf of the GAA Sports Desk team Suzanne, myself Peter Branigan, and Katie Scanlon on sound have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again next Wednesday night GAA Sports Desk brought to you by The Herald every side of Dublin